Welcome to Mrs. Flick's Picks, where busy moms can find the best books for their kids. Join me in my mission to cultivate children's moral imagination through good stories, beautifully written. Well, hello, and welcome back to Mrs. Flick's Picks. I am Carrie Flick, and I am tickled pink that you've decided to join me again today. For those of you in the homeschooling circles, you may have heard of a British educator named Charlotte Mason from the Victorian era. Even if you're not a homeschooler, I'm still speaking to you. Because education, as I refer to it, isn't simply math formulas and U.S. presidents. Education is the development of the whole child, mind, body, and character. Education doesn't end each day when the classroom bell rings, and it doesn't stop when the high school diploma is handed out. As Miss Mason wrote, education is the science of relations, and for each of us, it's a lifelong journey. Miss Mason was the author of the phrase, living books, books full of noble ideas that would capture a child's imagination and their affection. She knew that education consisting of information alone was nearly worthless. It was just mere data. The question of a sound and whole education is not necessarily how much a child knows, but rather how much he or she cares. And caring requires some sort of relationship. Of course, one of the best ways for kids to build relationships with a subject is through firsthand experience. But that's simply not practical when we consider the almost endless possibilities of the sciences and the arts. Everything from sailing to swordplay, pottery to astronomy, chemistry to combat. It's simply not feasible for every child to experience these pursuits for themselves. And what about all the events of world history? There's no vehicle for time travel as yet. So all of history is inaccessible to us as primary experiences. But a captivating story, fictional or factual, skillfully written in narrative form, that beckons to a child's affections. His sympathy is awakened and expanded by living vicariously through characters worlds apart from himself, but intimately accessible through the story. As his affections for these characters grow, he will also find himself caring about the culture, the technologies, the hobbies, the wars, all of the various settings and circumstances that affect his newfound friend. And upon re-entry into the quote-unquote real world, he remains transformed by the journey. Reading good books not only grows our kids' imaginations, it makes them more compassionate people. As we seek to disciple our children, let good reading be a tool and a treasure we turn to again and again. There is no way I could possibly choose just one picture book to have in our home. However, if I was absolutely forced to, 
This might very well be the one. It's called A Visitor for Bear by Bonnie Becker. The central character, Bear, is a complete curmudgeon and happily lives a life of social isolation. He has no friends and sees no need for friends. But one day, a tiny, cheerful mouse arrives at his door and simply will not leave until Bear opens his home to him and extends some hospitality. By the end of the book, Bear's grumpy, selfish heart has thawed, and he has found the true joy of friendship. This story is a perfect example of those echoes of the gospel I mentioned last week. Mouse is insistent in his pursuit of Bear's affections. Just as Jesus meets us in our lost state and refuses to let us stay untransformed. There's nothing about Bear's character that merits Mouse's goodwill, and yet he still receives it. Just as we are so unworthy of God's love, and yet he still bestows it. This is another wonderful book to read out loud due to Bear's rather melodramatic reactions. And as if it couldn't get any better... All of the other books in the Bear and Mouse series are equally as delightful. The Sniffles for Bear is my personal favorite, in which Bear's melodrama soars to even greater heights. Get yourself a copy today, and then get one for a friend, too. My next pick was originally published in 1902, but the adventure and charm of it is still very much contagious. It's Five Children and It by Edith Nesbitt, or E. Nesbitt, as she was published. While five siblings are playing in an English gravel pit, or quarry, they happen upon a bug-eyed alien-type creature called a samiad, or a sand fairy. This ancient, rather crotchety being has the power to grant wishes, but with the catch that all wishes will turn to stone by sunset. The children are typical children and try very hard to be wise with their wishes, but of course, disaster always strikes in one comical form or another, and nothing goes according to plan for them. The age-old mother's warning, be careful what you wish for, takes on a whole new meaning by the close of the story. I will give a word of disclaimer for this book. Because of the English setting and the Victorian prose, some of the language will probably be lost on young readers. It's not at all a hindrance to enjoying the narrative, and it will be great practice for them to try and gain the sense of a word just by using the surrounding context. Or you can make this a family read aloud. Just beware that you'll be subject to some verbal acrobatics when you get to the Cockney accents. As we get into the colder winter months, I'd like to suggest a book that can be purchased under two titles. The author is Regina Doman, and she originally published this in 1997 with the title Snow White and Rose Red, A Modern Fairy Tale. In the later edition, it was changed to The Shadow of the Bear, A Fairy Tale Retold. The first title is pretty self-explanatory for anyone who's familiar with Snow White and Rose Red. It's set in modern New York City, where high school sisters Blanche and Rose live with their widowed mother in a modest little apartment. Blanche is shy and sensitive, while Rose is vivacious and adventurous. Their quiet and cozy winter evening at home one night is suddenly interrupted by a visitor of questionable character, a young man the girls know by reputation from their school. By name, 
He is known only as Bear, and he is thought to be involved on some level with street drug dealing. Over time, Rose and Blanche form a deep friendship with Bear and begin to understand that he's not all that he seems. His past, however, remains a mystery, and Blanche eventually has to decide whether she will give in to her fear and lose a beloved friend or remain loyal to Bear, but at a possible great cost to herself. This story is quite an original retelling of the old fairy tale, and it has a fantastic plot of intrigue and detective work with a healthy smattering of good poetry throughout. It's a classic faith versus fear tale and a wonderful reminder of the deceitfulness of appearances. It's sentimental without being cheesy or predictable. Although it's squeaky clean and not at all graphic, because of the drug references and gun violence in high school setting, it's best suited for older teenage girls. And that wraps up this week's picks. I hope to have you back next time. And until then, happy reading.